Hey, Mars here. Jason Marsden. I'm an actor. I was on TV, do voices, and, and Dylan uh, was so nice enough to have me on his HodgePodge podcast. If you like, uh, if you like music, if you like comedy and, and lots of fun things, please check out my new show on YouTube, The Mars Variety Show. Go to youtube.com slash Mars Presents. The entire season is clickable, bingeable, downloadable, consumable. It's a relentless good time. If you guys want to become a supporter of the podcast, follow the description below in the in the podcast uh, episode information right there. Um, you're going to click on that link and it's going to take you over to my official site on Anchor. And for 99 cents a month, you will get the episodes days before it hits the airwaves. So these go up on Monday, so you'll most likely get them on like a Thursday or a Friday, so two or three days early. Uh, if you want to bump up that, you can get $5 a month and you'll get episodes days before it hits the airwaves, plus a chance to win a free podcast t-shirt and then a shout out on air every single episode. And then for $10, which is the biggest one here, uh, for $10 a month, you're going to get the episodes early. You're going to get a free podcast t-shirt. There's no chance here you're going to get a free podcast shirt. Uh, the full schedule of guests on the upcoming episodes, a chance to be on an episode of your choosing, asking a question to either me or a guest, plus a shout-out on air every single episode. So if you got a little cash hanging around and you love the podcast and you feel like just giving me a... podcast i am your host as always d hodge but you guys already knew that i am on instagram at i am mr dylan hodge the podcast is on instagram too at the hodgepodge podcast gonna go ahead and get this out of the way like i always do if you like this episode i don't know what you would like about it right now <laughs> but if you like the previous episodes and you just want to give me a hand please hit that five star review on apple Podcasts and subscribe and leave a little comment that helps me grow into the podcast realm and makes us from little bitty baby to maybe even a little teenager to a possible young adult if you're listening on like iHeartRadio or spotify there should be a little ad button there and then they'll ask you for some feedback and just give your feedback please i really would appreciate it now that all that's out of the way i am back from vacation um a week was too long for me um in the previous episode with um the Creepy Crap Podcast, which was last week's episode, we did the, uh, I came on here earlier like with this and, and announced that I was, it was a Monday and I was on my way home. Uh, I lied. <laughs> that was when we were scheduled to come back. Um, when I was scheduled to come back was I was supposed to be riding, riding in on Monday. Um, 
I came back two days early. I, I was supposed to come back on a Monday, and I came back on Saturday. Uh, no, I'm sorry. I came back on Sunday, and I just slept Monday most of the day. Like I, I don't think I woke up until like 11, 11, 30, 12 o'clock um, in the afternoon. And so, uh, so I just left it like that. I was like, look, I'm tired. I'm not going to go back and fix it. And so it doesn't really matter. I, should, I didn't have to say that anyways. I, I just wanted to keep it real. Um, welcome to the second Halloween special. Uh, there's going to be one more after this, uh, the grand finale, uh, as I like to call it, which would be next week. Uh, appreciate you guys listening in as you always do. I'm very grateful for you guys. Um, Jason Marsden, uh, which was on a, last month, maybe he is already the second highest downloaded and streamed podcast of my podcasting career. Um, well, technically third, if you want to put up church in there, um, technically third, but since we've moved platforms, um, up church is not really that much downloaded or streamed. And when we were over to our previous, um, platform, he was the absolute most, but now I'm just talking about just now. Um, it was black lives matter podcast with my friend Shira and, uh, Jonathan and then Jason Marsden. Uh, very grateful. I'm working on getting Jason Marsden back for a second time here on the podcast. We had such a great time the first time, and we ran out of time. So I'm trying to get a longer, a longer interview time with with Jason here. Um, and we're gonna. I'm not really gonna tell you what we're gonna talk about because I have it all planned out how I want to talk and what I'm going to talk about. Um, so, yeah, with that out of the way. Um. I am nervous about this podcast, um, this one in particular, because this is a Bigfoot episode, and we're going to go into the um, introduction here in a few minutes. Um, This is a Bigfoot episode, and I know a lot of people, there's skepticism over if you believe in Bigfoot or you think Bigfoot is real. Um... And a little clarification here. I don't think we're going to go. I think we're just going to do this one a little different. Just go straight into the guest um, here instead of going to how I usually do it. Um, just going to going to differentiate the Halloween podcast between the normal podcast. Um, so I a little clarification. Like I said, I um, made a mistake or I misspoke in this podcast. Um, I said the Gigantopithecus was like um, 1800 or something like that. That that was not true. Um, I was just trying to find words, and it was a thousand years ago, um, not you know 600 years ago or however long you know. Um, so yeah, um, just just a little clarification before people hit me up and they're like, you said 1835. I, Right, I did, I did, and that is my mistake. Um, the Gigantopithecus lived up to a thousand years ago, um, is what people said, and that was just me mis misspeaking. Um, so I did misspeak there, and just to give you clarification, 
Um, Keith Dickens is on the podcast today. Keith Dickens is a Bigfoot hunter, a Bigfoot believer, and you guys know how I feel. And if you can hear my dogs in the background, I apologize. They have managed to figure out that squirrels live in this oak tree right beside my bed, uh, my my bedroom, my office here studio. They have met. They figured out that there's a squirrel in the oak tree. And this is every morning from like 8 a.m. to lunchtime. It's nonstop barking. You can't stop them because our dogs are supposed to bark during the daytime. So, <laughs> my apology if you can hear that dog. I'm trying to make it a little lower uh, when we go in here. Um, so, yes. He is a big, the key thing is he's a Bigfoot hunter, a Bigfoot believer. And you guys know when I go into these Bigfoot or Sasquatch type of podcast, I'm not necessarily a believer in Bigfoot. Um, but I try to go and I try to have an open mind and I ask for the believers and for the non-believers. So I'm hitting both sides of the fence here. I'm hitting like I'm am a believer and I'm not a believer. And so I think I do a really good job here of maintaining both sides and hopping over the fence and saying, okay, well, that's true. Then tell me about this or yes, sure. I believe that. What about this? You know, it's kind of a jumping over the fence with, 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 with your, um, with a pogo stick, I guess you could say. And so we're talking about that. We're also talking about the Patterson-Gimlin film and how he thinks that Gimlin film could not have been uh, created. And it was a real, it could not have been a monkey suit or an ape suit or a Sasquatch suit. It's 100% real. He's also tearing telling terrifying bigfoot tales try saying that 10 times terrifying terrifying see you can't even say it once um terrifying bigfoot tales um and he's talking about his night in alaska that made him believe in bigfoot and all that fun stuff so without further ado please welcome my friend bigfoot hunter keith dickens Can you hear me okay? Yeah, man. Can you hear me? You got me? Yeah, I got you. You're good. Oh, yeah, brother. <laughs> How you doing, man? You doing all right? Oh, I'm good, man. How you doing? Man, I'm making it. I appreciate you being on here for me, dude. Yeah, no problem, dude. Anytime, man. Sorry that, like, so, you know, I'm hanging out at uh, the, uh, the dungeon, man, my favorite bar. <laughs> you know, no, you're good, man. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I wanted to get you on because I am big into the um, paranormal realm here, and I kind of consider the Bigfoot a little bit of the paranormal realm. Depends on who you talk to. So, and I'm very interested in the Bigfoot theories because I myself don't believe in it, but I like to get people on that do, and they try to make me believe a little bit. Does right. that make sense? Right, I got you. So, I got, I got Keith Dickens on, and he is a uh, a Bigfoot hunter. Is, is that right? Is that what you do? Yeah. Just making sure I get you. Yep, okay. I am the founder of the Bigfoot Hunter Society. Bigfoot Hunter Society. Uh, so, real quick here, and we'll get into the whole Bigfoot thing here in just a few, but take me back to 
did you have a sighting of Bigfoot to start this society, or did you just believe in Bigfoot that much you just want to start something? Okay, so very first, like, you know, I grew up small town Ohio. Never had any idea what, what Bigfoot was. So I was about 12, about 12, 13 years old. I live in my grandparents' house. They had four acres of uh, cornfields, soybean fields, and woods. And I was out there one day, you know, shooting my BB gun with my little brother. And we're out there. Long story short, we're out there shooting, laughing. Look out to the clearing, probably about that 50 yards from me. You just see this big, dark figure, you know, kind of going through the wood line. And so I stop and I go, hey, this is private property. Who are you, man? You out here hunting. Slow, just a slow turn. And you just see just slow walking towards me. Man, if it was a man, that man was seven foot five. Right. And it was like, so I grabbed my little brother. We ran upstairs, ran inside, called my grandpa who was at work. I said, Grandpa, there's a big old hairy man outside. What's going on? And he said, are you sure it ain't Uncle Randy? I said, no, it ain't Uncle Randy. could eat Uncle Randy. So that was my first sighting back when I was like 12, 13. Now, you don't happen to think it was a bear, do you? Because I've seen bears walk on their front, just their front legs just for minutes at a time. So do you think that's possible? And I'm going to be hitting you from all different. It's not like I'm not saying I don't believe you. It's just I'm trying, you know what I mean? I'm trying to hit that from both ways. Right. So where I'm from in northern Ohio, so we've seen okay. there's black bear in southern Ohio that are native, right? But where I'm at, mm-hmm. tippy top northern Ohio, there hasn't been a bear sighting since 1862. Okay. So, so what made you move from Ohio to Alaska? Because you said that you're in Alaska now. Are you working there or you decided to move? Yes, I am. I'm living in Fairbanks right now. Um, so... My job brought me up here. Uh, I'm in the army. Okay. So I got stationed oh, okay. up. Okay. Yeah, back in 2018. And not only you know beautiful country up here, all sorts of untapped wilderness. I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. we've got splotchy up here. You know, check it out. <laughs> well, man, appreciate your service. Thanks for uh, for for what you're doing, man. I really do appreciate because you because you have the balls. I don't. I, I don't do, to do it, so I really do appreciate it, man. Man, it's all good, brother. Somebody's got to. It's just a job, man. <laughs> so, was that the only Bigfoot sign that you've ever had, or have you had more? Uh, that was my first. I've had two. Oh, okay. Well, go ahead and tell me the other one, man. I'm, I'm very interested. All right. So uh, my second one was probably about mm, six, seven months after that. I was on a, my high, bus getting drove back from from high school. It was me, my buddy, and the bus driver. We were about two miles away from my grandparents' property. And it was basically a big cornfield. And we're all, you know, just smoking cigarettes, joking on the bus. Bus driver looks over. She goes, what is that? I turned around. My, my buddy turns around. I, I told y'all. I told y'all. And you look over about. 
probably about 200 yards away, there was a big cornfield that was kind of cut down and wood line. And there he was, just walking the wood line. And from that day on, I'll say, I don't know what I saw the first couple times, but I know I saw something. And that's what kind of got me into so, this. So, so was it the same creature you saw six months before that you saw six months after? Oh, it, it, if it wasn't, it had to have been something very similar. Big old, okay. big tall man, you know, what you'd think would be like a dude in a ghillie suit. You know, with the military background, right. you're like, oh, that's got to be a guy in a ghillie suit. But mm. about twice as big as the biggest guy you've seen in Special Forces in a ghillie suit. <laughs> Just red, shaggy hair, walking on down. So that must have had a very big impact on you when you were 12 or 13 because years later you started this this Bigfoot Hunter Society. So how, how, how did you start this group, this society, and, and how, is it, you know, how did you go to where it's at now? So when I first started, uh, like I said, ever since I saw him the first few times, you know, I kind of I caught the Bigfoot fever, and okay. back in that day, you know, early twenty, like two thousand eight, two thousand nine, you didn't have your Finding Bigfoot on Discovery Channel or Animal Planet. You didn't have it. It was as mainstream, right, as it is now. So me and a bunch of my buddies, we'd all get together and we'd you know go stake out the woods in my backyard, or go stake out the woods in their backyard. And we'd be out there like, let's just, let's just see what we can find, man. You know, let's get out here and we'll just be real quiet. We got our shotguns and hopefully something will show up. Did anything ever show up? So, unfortunately, right, which is <laughs> the, the biggest thing that people, you know, hate on believers. I mean, they're like, oh, well, so much for that evidence because he never showed up. <laughs> right. but, but we so we found a few prints that we actually we took plaster casts of okay and uh like i'm, I'm sure if, if you ever talked to any guys that uh i was looking up your stuff earlier i think you've talked to a couple other bigfooters before yeah i've talked to uh dave spinks he's uh he's all over the travel channel and, and stuff like that so yeah early on but yeah Okay, so we found, you know, what they would call like a Bigfoot nest. A bunch of like trees sure. bent out different ways, big grass set up. It almost looks like the way the, a lowland gorilla would set up its nest because they're documented. You have footage of it. And you compare that to what we were seeing, and it was very similar. Would you be opposed to like... The people that saw it back in, you know, the 30s or whatever they said, they saw a Bigfoot sighting that, do you think they saw like the Gigantopithecus? And if you don't know what that is, the Gigantopithecus was like a giant ape from, you know, they stood like seven to eight feet tall. It was a rare species of gorilla. And they died out, I think, the 50s, 60s, somewhere around there. So that would be, that, that's my suspicion there is I can see both sides of, Oh, I can see how it's fake, but also if the Gigantopithecus, you know, was was killed off or whatever in the fifties and sixties, what are they seeing now? You know, and that's kind of the where I get with the 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 black bear or the, or the regular grizzly bear just sitting on its hind legs for certain minutes. But I saw the Patterson Gimlin film. Um, 
Yes. When was the first time you saw that, and what was your reaction to it when you first saw it? Because, because was did you see it before you had your encounter, or did you see it after? I saw it after. As a matter of fact, because okay. at first, you know, being a 12-year-old kid from small country town, Ohio. All right, you're going to research it. In the back of your mind, you're like, I think I know what <laughs> Bigfoot is. Yeah. But you, you, uh, when you see something, you're like, I have no idea what I just saw. But, yeah, mm-hmm. you, you punch it in the old Google search, and, of course, you search Google. What's the first thing that comes up? Harrison Gidlin film. Always. Mm-hmm. Always. And people say... Very divisive film, as you know, right? You, you've got half the people that are like, oh, that's your definitive proof right there. And then you got people, oh, that looks like Queen of the Apes, us man in a suit. Mm-hmm. So I saw it about probably four months after my first encounter. And I was like, you know, I'm going to look a little more into it. And I did the research and... I still keep up to this very day on developments. They've been analyzing this film since the 60s. And yeah. there's still no definitive either way, right? But when mm. they've enhanced it, it actually shows muscle movement under the fur. So the way it walks, right. you can see the, the flex of the, the leg muscles and the shoulder muscles. And they have proven that during that year, you know, that time frame in the 60s, the best costumes they had were in the Planet of the Apes. And they were still about 30, 40 years away from being able to recreate muscle movements under skin in their costumes. So, if you're going to just discount that film and tell me it's fake, how could someone have access to technology into a suit that was better than the best of Hollywood could do in that time? You know what I mean? Yeah, like like you said, I've heard different you know historians or whatever you want to say that that have discussed the film and they and they do say that show me where there's a gorilla suit or a, whatever you want to call it that was made in the '60s that could do this. But didn't they declare that that was a female Bigfoot or Yeti, whatever you want to call it? Um, by judging the film and doing the research, uh, there were um. Augmented, breasts, but it, like, right. it looked like breasts. So uh, yes, right. the, the the assumption is that was a female Sasquatch. Yes, you are correct. Now, my first thing that kind of confused me is because have you watched the full thing or have you seen just like the full fifty-eight seconds or something like that? Because there's no, no. for like six minutes. Go ahead. I've watched, I've watched the film deconstructed, taken apart, put it back together about a hundred different times. Yeah, so so you know for the first like five and a half minutes, it's just plain woods and blurriness, and then all of a sudden, you know, it's just out of. But to me, that's how a Sasquatch or a gorilla would just emerge like that. It's just coming out of the wild, not knowing something's there, kind of like a deer or something. But my first confusion with it was, okay, it looked at him and knew it was doing something was in its land. Why didn't it attack? Was it because it didn't feel threatened? Or, you know what I mean? It's just that confusion of why did it attack versus why it didn't, you know? Right. Now, if you, if you know basic primate biology, um, I'm sure you've heard of uh, Dr. Jane Goodall. Yes. Yes. She is one of the, the 
forerunners, you know, of great ape research. She's been doing it since the 60s. The lady's a legend. She's one of my heroes. But she has come out and personally said it makes more sense for Bigfoot to exist than to not exist. And she said, judging by its characteristics and the way it reacts, for what film we do have, it acts like a bonomo, which is, if you know anything about bonomos, I, I'm not sure. They're, uh, they're, they're I cousins. don't. Okay. So a bonomo is a great ape species that was I honestly just recently discovered probably about 20 years ago, maybe less. They are cousins of the chimpanzee. Okay. So chimpanzees are very violent, aggressive creatures, right? Right. It's primate. right. It's primates go. You hear the 911 calls. You hear this chimp's ripping my face off. You know, you see them at the zoo there. The bonomo is basically what she calls them, the hippie cousin. They groom okay. each other. They live in small groups. They're nonviolent. They would rather avoid conflict and hide than fight. Mm. So that's kind of what the Sasquatch, from what I at least I've experienced, seems to model itself after. It seems to just be an elusive kind of shy, more, hey, uh, I didn't mean to roll up on this. I don't know who these people are or what this species. I don't know what's watching me right now, but I'd rather leave than try to fight. Right. Because you know that thing could tear a human limb to limb. <laughs> there's, no, there's no mistake oh, in that. If one of those things wanted to, seven foot two, seven foot three is much muscle you can see under those films and from what i saw that thing could pick somebody that thing yeah that thing could take e either me or you and just tear us apart in two seconds if it wanted to so how much of the history of the bigfoot are you familiar with like do you know how the name bigfoot and sasquatch differ like is is there a difference like how do they say bigfoot and or because obviously it came from the big footprint of the research i've done so is the scientific name a sasquatch or how how is that now how it started uh the name bigfoot was first coined and became famous in the late 50s uh northern california up there uh jerry crew was the man's name he found the large footprints around his construction site and took the first plaster casts in that decade and he got became okay. a huge tabloid sensation and that's how the name Bigfoot was coined. Uh, Sasquatch comes from the uh, the northern, like the Canadian uh, Native American term. That has been documented and seen since the early 1600s. Right. So. Here, and I can debate this myself, but I just want someone here that can actually, you know, debate it with me is I would ask myself all the time if this thing is real where are the remains of the dead ones you know because obviously there, there's some but then I also look at it as well if I'm in you know the woods or if I'm just in some back town I don't see you know remains of a deer or bear or anything like that so you can't so you can kind of debunk that quickly but how many of these Sasquatches do you think are out there? Do you think there's just like an endless species of them, or do you think there's just very few around? Okay, so the knowledge that you have. Right. So now, so you you make a valid point, right? Because if you go into the fossil record, 
Right. Obviously, you, you, so you go way, 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 way back, right? The Jurassic, Jurassic, Cretaceous. You're finding dinosaurs. You're like, well, yeah. we can discover an animal that lived 65 million years ago. Why can't you find me proof of something that you claim still lives today? Sure, sure. Right. But so if you go into the native deciduous forest of North America, the temperate forest of North America, mm. they are the, the way the climate works. They are not designed for those remains to stay. You've got scavengers. Not only that, all the fungus species we have now that couldn't thrive back a couple million years ago that are there now, right? The mushrooms grow up, break down the body. And now, if you think these creatures have a little bit, of, just a little bit of intelligence and they're trying to hide themselves and they're afraid of modern man and they're trying to avoid other predators, right? And if they have a little bit of intelligence like what we do, maybe they bury their dead or have some kind of burial rites, you're not going to find those bodies. So I, I feel like it's that's, pretty easy to... That's, that's what I find freaky about it. Like, what if they're just as smart as we are and they can't burn their loved ones or, you know, bury their loved ones? Because then we're just thinking about another species here. We're just like, okay, these are... Very, very, very human-like, you know, because, you know, it, it's just one of those weird things. But, you know, I, I want to get your thoughts on this. Like I said, I had Dave Spinks on, and he kind of drove me off of, okay, you're kind of going a little nuts on me. Was we were discussing the history and the and the and the discrimination discrimination and stuff like that of Bigfoot. And he seemed to be on the path that Bigfoot was some type of alien kin. Are you opposed to that, or do you have you heard that? What are your thoughts on that? Because that's kind of what I was – and no disrespect if you do think that, but I was kind of like, oh, okay, you're kind of turning this into a real ghost story. You know what I mean? Right. Like they just right. up and disappear. That's kind of a little too much for me to believe in my honest opinion. So, basically, when you when you get to Bigfooters, you know, you, you basically, you've got two main kind of criteria that cut us in half, right? So, I'm sure you've seen finding Bigfoot on the animal planet. Right. I'm sure you've heard of the big, uh, the BFRO, right? Matt Moneymaker, those kind of guys. Yes. Bo Bo, you know, those dudes. Yes. Who believe that Bigfoot is just a sentient great ape that's undiscovered, just your regular cut-and-dry animal. There's no supernatural to it, right? Sure. And then you've got the other half of the community, which you were pointing out, that think either they're aliens that were dropped off from another alien species, <laughs> hybrid yeah. aliens, or some this trans-dimensional being that can jump portals and all this craziness. So yes, there's definitely two. That's that. That's a huge cut and dry. The biggest thing that cuts us as Bigfooters apart, right? So you have the guys that think it's just a lost species of ape, and then you got the guys that think, oh, it's a supernatural alien that can jump dimensions and kidnap your babies. So, to the people that believe that kind of stuff, I'm not going to openly discredit them. Because, I mean, if you can give me evidence 
or show me that maybe that's true, more power to you. But I lean more to the BFRO, Matt Moneymaker, kind of, hey, this is just a species, a regular biological species that was born, evolved on this planet. They're just, they're small numbers, and they're just here, man. They're not, there's no supernatural voodoo to them. They're just a small species of lost large primate that has somehow been able to, you know, outsmart us and hide away from us. And you mentioned like Bigfoot Hunter because they've been on for like 12 years. They've yet to capture anything. And here's my thing to that. I think if that Bigfoot or Sasquatch is in fact intelligent, they're not going to show up. They're not going to. They're going because it could be, let's take, let's say if an alien spaceship, a UFO was to land in your backyard. You take a picture of that right now. You're going to take it to Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, whatever. 99.9% of those people are going to say, oh, that's Photoshopped. Right. You know, it's like all the ghost shows on TV. You know, oh, that's somebody in the, in the background busting a glass bottle. So I, in my honest opinion, I think, if a Sasquatch is very intelligent, they're not going to show themselves on camera that way. I just think that uh, the Gimlin film just so happened to capture one in the mirror of like 15 seconds, just out of pure coincidence. Right. No, so I, I agree totally. So, I mean, if you look at just primates that we know exist, right? Mountain gorillas, orangutans bonomos, chimpanzees. It takes people months, months at a time to go out and stage an area and to pre-record and to record to get actual decent footage of these creatures. And so we know where they're at because unfortunately due to human encroachment, deforestation, they've only got limited places to stay, right? Over there in Africa, Asia. Yeah. There's only so much acres left. But in North America, and the people don't realize the vast expanses of woods we still have left, we've got millions of acres of untapped resources just out there. So we can't do the same thing and just circle in and be like, oh, we know they're here. Because they could be here, they could be there, they could be down the street. We still have a lot more land than we think. Absolutely. What do you th- – and I'm saying this kind of open-minded – when, when you picture Sasquatches hanging out, do you picture them hanging out with other Sasquatches, or do you? And this may sound like a stupid question, but it's just something that pops up. Or do you picture them hanging out with orangutans and gorillas and stuff like that in, in the, I don't know, the jungle, whatever you want to call it? Right. So, what a lot of people don't understand is, you know, you've got your North American big sightings that we call Bigfoot or Sasquatch. But not only that, you've got uh, the urine in China, the Yahweh in Australia, the abominable snowman in Tibet, sightings of gorilla man in Russia. So we've seen creatures like this. People have been seeing creatures like this all around the world. For at least, you know, the earliest sightings go back 1600, 1700s, at least a few hundred years. So are they all related? At least some type from like the same species that kind of, you know, shot off. Kind of like, you know, you have your North American seagulls, your European seagulls, you got ravens, you got crows, you know, right? They're all closely related, but they're slightly yeah. different. They live in different parts of the world. 
that's kind of the way I look at it. And so, do I know actual populations from each? Could, could I tell you, hey, in Russia, you got like 10 Yetis. Hey, in, uh, you know, Northwestern America, you got 200 Bigfoot. In Australia, you got 50 urine. No, I, I, I couldn't say that. But it's a small enough population to be hidden, but a big enough one to continue to breed, which is totally mm. possible with great ape species because, like I brought up earlier, the bonomo, the orangutan, they're both extremely endangered right now, and they're very limited in Southeast Asia where they're at Sumatra, you know, the islands, Java. But they're still kicking, and if you don't know what to look for, you will never know they were there. So, just briefly here, what are, you mentioned like the Obama Snowman, the Yeti. Is that a different type of Sasquatch, or are they just called different things in different uh, parts of the country? So, the way I think of it and the way I look at it, it's kind of the same like how we are is modern Homo sapien. Before you bring it back, we all originated out of you know, the cradle of Africa. We spread out. We expanded the ice age. We had the bearing. We had the uh, ice, ice bridge, the bearing ice strait, so we could travel from Europe to North America. So, if there were species, which is proven, Gigantopithecus, like we talked about earlier, was still alive and well and kicking during that time. If they were around that recent to us, why couldn't he or an offshoot have followed us over the bearing land strait to North America? followed us down, followed us through, because as primate species go, we're the most successful. That's that's facts. That's proven, right? As humans, we mm-hmm. occupy every land of this world except for Antarctica all the time. So why couldn't a species that was maybe a little bigger, a little more elusive, follow suit? Now, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna say that I'm gonna use mythical creature just just for an example, real quick, because like the Loch Ness monster, I think right. maybe about a year and a half ago they deemed that to be um, actually a myth was never you know was never a thing. What would you do if one day you woke up and they all of a sudden just announced that you know Sasquatch was actually really a myth and the the Gimlin film was actually faked, yada, yada. What would be your first reaction to that? Now, if they would tell me tomorrow, I wake up and they tell me the Paris and Gimlet film was fake, I would call bullshit. Okay. Because just seeing the studies on it and the scientific just... the These modern dudes, right? Like our modern CJI artists, the guys who work in Hollywood, have chucked right. out this film since the day it was made, people have been trying yeah, to just yeah. they've been trying to debunk and discredit this film for 40, 50 years now, right? And they still have yeah. not found definitive proof to prove it fake. And if anything, it leans to the contrary. You're like, wow, back in those years, we couldn't have that technology to make suits to where those muscles flex that way. We can't have a human being in a suit walk the way that animal did. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, proving that, uh, unless you can actually 100% recreate it and find a guy that's right. like 7'2 and throw on a suit that has 
muscle expenditures and he can accurately recreate that walk on rocky terrain in northern california good luck that's why i gotta say it anyway <laughs> so give a little background here um because we're uh i don't know how much time you got but we're rolling on about half an hour here uh how much research have you done on like set like have you just grazed on just information like if, if you're going for you know you're going out with your 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 crew and you're like okay we're gonna go big bunny tonight what type of sounds would you be listening for or signs you'd be looking for uh in the presence of a sasquatch right that's a great question man so you've yeah. watched finding bigfoot i'm sure you have yeah. <laughs> sure, yeah. a bunch of your viewers right they watch your podcast have seen finding bigfoot and they think we are and, all just- and here's a- well this is my thing also with that is how do they know those animals or those creatures make these type of sounds you know like that, that's kind of like well where did the history come from you know because patterson gilmacom did it it was kind of silent other than you know the walking and the footsteps right so i'm sorry i didn't mean to interrupt no you're good man so i don't think so it's like any creature right i was raised in small town ohio i've been hunting big game my whole life (laughs) yeah as a hunter you're supposed to be silent in the woods right you don't go in Mm -hmm. and announce your presence the minute you're there you don't show up and just start howling and yodeling and think it you know what i mean so that's my biggest disagreement with the finding bigfoot guys and they're okay call they're call blasting they call it so because they immediately go in and they take a big stick and they pop it up against the tree and they're like you hear that but here's my thing it's like how did you not know that's a tree falling 150 feet back you can't see that you know what i mean that that's kind of right you know i'm in the mind frame of okay it could be but also it could be this like i'm getting in my head both ways you know right so exact i i agree with you 100 so any big game hunter will tell you if you go hunting out Say you're trying to go shoot coyotes on the Western Plains out Wyoming. Say you're trying to go hunt for uh, brown bear or gray wolf here in Alaska. You don't mm-hmm. make your presence known, and you don't just announce, "Hey, here I am, man, show up." So, with the call blasting, that's the only thing that makes sense to me, because as a big game hunter, so like take a wolf or, or even a coyote, for example. They respond to calls, you know, from their main prey sources, right? Which are rabbits. You sound that off. You hide. You mask your scent. Sure. If they're in the area, they're going to show up. So I take the same approach to when I'm out there Bigfoot. I'm like, so if honestly they're anywhere between us and a chimpanzee or an orangutan or a gorilla, which is our DNA closest matches, right? as great apes mm-hmm. so what we'll do is we'll get the pheromone chips from local zoos and we'll hang up the pheromone chips and mm-hmm. we'll blast orangutan mating calls gorilla mating calls chimpanzee mating calls we're not out there yodeling and knocking trees and making ourselves known yeah. like I don't, I don't think uh, – I think that's sens- sensationalized for TV, to be honest with you. So you're out there in Alaska. I'm going to take a 
quick little detour here from Bigfoot. We'll come back to it before we uh, before we jump off here. But you're in Alaska now. Never been really down that area. I've you know I've been like Texas and stuff like that. But I try to stay in my state just because I, especially with this coronavirus happening. But from yeah. what I've seen on like Mountain Man or whatever else you want, Axe Man, whatever you want to say, it, there are some places in Alaska that. They're just dead spot in the middle of nowhere. Where are you at? Like, are you living in a, in, in a town or like a, like a neighborhood or are you living out in the middle of nowhere? Right. So right now I'm stationed up at uh, Fort Wainwright. So I'm in Fairbanks, Alaska, which is okay. a small little borough, which is stretched out about, oh, probably 60 miles around is the t- actual town. But you leave mm. this borough, you drive an hour and a half any direction. You're in the middle of Pine Forest. There's nothing for six hours. Mm. Either way, you go south, you get about a four or five hour drive till you hit Denali National Park, another hour till you hit Anchorage, the first big city close to us. You go north, there's nothing. It's the Arctic Circle, it's the tundra, there's nothing. So you, when, you, when you go bit, uh, Sasquatch hunting, Bigfoot and up there, you, you head north? Is that where you head? Uh, I've, I've gone all over around here, so... So where have you found the most activity there? Like, have you found it in, or have you found have you found any, uh, you know, in uh, information or, you know, hypothesis about this? Yeah, as a matter of fact. So where I'm at, up at uh, right up here in Fairbanks, it's a very small town. It's a, it's 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 part of like you know the Central Bureau. Like we're literally we're middle. We are in the middle of the state of Alaska. Around us is nothing but pine forest for miles, miles. You, just, you can drive five hours any direction, nothing. Mm-hmm. And so I've gone out just, I've either, I've taken three hour trips. I've taken just hour trips out of town. I've gone north, south. I've honestly, I've, I've done three trips north, two trips, uh, two trips to the south. And I've gone one trip. I've just drove basically as east as I could get. And I've found what I would call activity on all, all, all my trips. The most exciting thing I think I saw is when I went north. So I took off probably about an hour and a half. Uh, we got uh, a hot spring up here called Chena Hot Springs. A lot of folks from up here, they know where it's at. It's kind of famous up here. So you keep going, and it's just it's pine forest, man. You know what I mean? It's, it's mm-hmm. woods. Yeah. And I camped that out there for four days by myself. I did a solo trip. And first thing I did, I wasn't out there banging on trees and woo, you know, you're laying like mm-hmm. the dudes on finding Bigfoot do. I had my pheromone chips. I hung them up. I separated them probably, you know, a quarter mile apiece. I no fires, just very quiet. And I just sat and I listened and I watched for three days. And they are, they're very vocal. So that's the one thing I'll give the Finding Bigfoot folks credit for. They, they do call black and you can hear it. And if you're a wild hunter up in Alaska and you're up there, you know, you've hunted for gray wolf, you've hunted for brown bear, you know what they sound like. These things, totally different, totally different sound. Kind 
trying to think of where I want to go with this because I just have so many things running through my mind. Like, right. you were out there, you know, camping out for three or four days. Was, was there just a point in your mind where you were just like, okay, there's no activity here. I've got to go. Like, besides saying, I'm going to stay four days was there just a day where you're like maybe this was kind of stupid for me to be out here four days because there's nothing here oh definitely my first couple days up there i'm out there you know it's probably it's probably late september so it's not too cold yet but it's it's getting close to pushing those negative degrees that we get up here i'm like man you know i'm up here shaking in my tent i'm freezing i have seen nothing except for like a couple arctic foxes why am i here right now Mm. i was like well, you know, I'm here. I'll give it two more days. And then on that day, I'm ready to leave. I go to leave That's the tent. Something hits. I, I go to leave the tent, you know, one, two in the morning when it's just the darkest, the dark <laughs> out. And you just hear rustling 50, 75 yards off. And you're like, well, it could be anything, you know. In my mind, like, I am a firm believer and I do this, but in my heart, I'm a skeptic, right? So I judge God, all my... Yeah. I judge all my uh, evidence objectively, not subjectively. I'm like, I need to just pretend <laughs> I've never heard of Bigfoot, right? Prove I need to prove to myself it's real. And so I'm like, no, oh, I don't believe this for a minute. But when I'm in my tent at 2 in the morning and I'm groggy, right, falling asleep, and all of a sudden you just hear like this scream. It sounds so close. It sounds like a woman, like, an angry woman in pain, if that, if you've ever heard that before. Almost like a woman give a childbirth, just angry, guttural, primal, just scream. Right. And I'm like, you know, I know what bobcats sound like. I know what lynx sound like. I know what mountain lions sound like. I've hunted all of them before. And this, this is a whole other story. And you wake up the next day, and you leave your little tent, and you walk around, and you just see trees five six foot up that has just been snapped what creature in alaska mm-hmm. stands on runs through the woods on two legs and can snap trees that are six foot tall and what are the odds that this big storm came through that you did not happen to feel see or even think about happening and it snapped all four or five trees all in a row like that well if a storm like that would have happened my tent would have been buried that's in what I, for the snow. That's what I'm and saying. I, that's what I'm saying. Exactly. <laughs> so, I, last couple of things here, man, as we wind down, um, let's get off here and enjoy your couple of drinks you're going to have. I remember a couple of years ago, there was this photo going around. I don't know if you saw it. If not, then maybe I can try to find the article. This guy supposedly had killed this creature. Right. And he described his creature as a Sasquatch Bigfoot type of creature. And it was rolling around all over the internet, all over social media. The news picked it up. Was this uh it was this a guy in, down? Oh. Sorry, man, I didn't mean uh, to uh No, no, you're off. good, you're good. What, was this a guy down there in Georgia? Like the uh, I feel like I've heard something like this from like the Southeast. It, uh, are you talking about United. where he had it like in I'm not street. sure where. I'm not sure where it was at, but these people or or the whoever they were claimed that it was not a, a Sasquatch. It was a hog or a pig or a boar. But okay. you could obviously tell that it it was not. It looked nothing like 
a wild hog, pig, boar I have ever seen in my life. It looked really, really creepy. It, it did have like a ape type of look, but it was like a hairy type of giant, you know, something I've never seen before. Not, not even close to a wild boar. Um, so have there been, like, I want to know if there's like people that have said, man, look, I, I've took this picture of this before and you've looked at it and it's like, okay, I don't want to see a picture of your cat, you know? Right. So, and that's the biggest thing, you know, a lot of those guys in the community will, they hate hearing the word false identification because they, they, they don't, don't want to look at it objectively and say, hey, maybe this could have been something else. But honestly, 75% of the cases we get and that I've investigated and people will call me, I'll go out and look. I'll be like, you know, uh, mountain lions live in this area, right? You're from Oregon. Yeah. <laughs> from California. That screaming you're hearing is probably a fucking mountain lion. It's probably a mountain lion, man. Because um, I've heard them before. Here's a recording. You know, here's me in the field. Here's me hunting them. And they go, oh, that's actually pretty close to what I hear. And I'm like, yeah, it's probably a mountain lion, man. But, see, here's the thing. If you take all those false identification cases, you take them out of the picture. Just get rid of them. Erase mm. them. There are still thousands of people every year that see here take pictures have video take ca plaster casts of something that we can't explain what it is so you can get rid of about 25 give me an of example what's that give me an example of a story give me an example of a story when you get finished with that uh explanation okay so what are the biggest ones um a, about a year and a half ago when I was still down in Texas, down in Texas, actually, a guy called me. He said, hey, man, there's been something on my property. I live in the Panhandle out by Amarillo, you know, about an hour to, out in the middle of nowhere. Something's been kill, uh, killing my cattle. I've been hearing screaming. I was like, OK, man, you know, I'll come out. I'll, I'll, I'll check it out. Get out there. Throw my tent up, throw up my blind. Throw my, you know, throw up the pheromone chips. The first night I called, blasted uh, some chimp calls, some gorilla calls, just see what would happen. Nothing. We got nothing back, no responses. I tried for three days, heard, saw nothing. On the fourth day before I left, I got kind of desperate. I was like, all right, well, you know, let's let's bait it in, let's give it a shot. Went to the local butcher, bought about 20 pounds worth of goat meat, stacked it up, put a trail cam up, and lo and behold, do we find out, yeah, the man's got a mountain lion. Mm. <laughs> so, have you ever, give me a story that you were just like, okay, I'm convinced this was some kind of a Sasquatch in a, encounter. Do you have any of those? I got plenty of them. Give, so, give me, give me a, give me a couple good ones. I think the most convincing one. Actually, I wasn't even in Ohio, so I went to Pennsylvania. The, you know oh, the okay. state. Oh, so I'm on the Ohio-Pennsylvania border, around Columbiana County, West Virginia border, in that area where it's very wooded, mountainous, uh -huh. rural, very rural. You know, you got maybe. A house here, your next neighbor lives four miles down the road. Maybe you see your neighbor twice a week if you're lucky. 
and I'm yeah. out there checking stuff out for uh, for a guy that called me. He said, "Hey, man, I think there's something going on, on my property." And I was like, "All right, well, you know, I'll come down and I'll take a look." Within the first five hours of being there, sun goes down. I'm out there. We have the pre-recorded uh, gorilla calls. You know, we're, we're we're doing our thing. And within two hours, we get a response. And I have all this all recorded on the Bigfoot Hunter Society page. I'm like, so we've got this recorded. I'm like, well, that's really weird. I'm like, there's no mountain lions in Pennsylvania. The government says they've been extinct here since, you know, 1910. They, nothing. And when you hear a mountain lion, you know the way it screams. It just, it has that very high pitched, almost like a child or a very young woman scream. What we got was this deep guttural, just almost a roar, but not quite. Mm. Mm. And so I'm like, okay, that that's interesting. That could be something, but we're not going to judge this off of this because you know we we need to gather something else. So we set up some baited traps, put some meat up, you know, some uh, ball berries up, and some trail cams. Unfortunately, we got nothing on the camera, which I don't know how smart these things are, but they somehow know. They're like, look at this crazy green thing on this uh, on this tree that you put up. I'm not dumb. I'm not falling for it. But he swiped through, and luckily, I uh, put some barbed wire around uh, the little bait we put up. Big, big uh, tough of hair. We got a tough of hair, and I was like, okay. We can work with this. We'll see what happens. Send it off to a uh, university of Michigan. They test it. And the results come back. Unknown primate species. Mm-hmm. Which isn't rare. If you talk to anybody that's been doing this for a while and has been out, um, like uh, I believe his name, yes, Dr. Jeff Meldrum. The man, uh, he's an expert at plaster casts. He's, uh, so he'll take the cast and look at them and say, you know, this, well, there's no details on this cast. I can't really tell you if it's fake or not. But they have found dermal ridges on these casts Mm. that are shaped different from human, but close enough to, this is an unknown primate species. There's no way a human could fake this. And they have sent in, they did the same thing I did, sent in the hair samples, unknown ape species. Their chromosomes match, they're close, but we're not quite sure. And I got these things in West Virginia, you know, Pennsylvania. So, if I'm getting these in Pennsylvania, and then Jeff Meldrum's get the same hair samples, come back with the same DNA in California, clearly there's something going on that we don't know about. Yeah, man, last couple of questions here, and uh, I'll let you go. Um, if people oh, are wanting I, to... I can go down the rabbit hole. I can talk all night. <laughs> <laughs> I can't, too. That's why I got to cut myself off, because if not, we'll be going for like four or five hours. <laughs> Definitely. not good for my schedule here. <laughs> but uh, if someone wants to you know, do some research on this, and they've already seen the... Patterson Gimlin film. 
what would be a couple of great pieces of audio, video, research, equipment, details that they could look at and know, okay, you know, because I like something that will make me go, oh, I kind of believe it, but here's this, instead of just straightforward, nah, that doesn't sound right, or yeah, I believe it 100%. Right, so the first thing I would say, what you need to do is, uh, have you ever heard of David Polites? I don't think so. Okay, so you, it's called the the Missing 411. It's by David Polites. The man was a uh, prior law enforcement officer for about 23, 24 years, and he started doing investigations in national parks about disappearances of people and how they disappear under weird circumstances. Like, the, say they'll find the only people they normally they find alive are children, and the kids will tell you, "Oh, the big hairy man took care of me," and the adults they look for, they'll either find deceased, they they either they won't find them at all, and they'll just find a stack of their clothes, and the actual person's gone. But if they do find a body, they're either up a mountain to where physically it's impossible for us as humans to get that high, or they'll find the body in an area that they already searched for. Mm -hmm. So to dive into this, I would honestly... If the Patterson-Gimlin film does not convince you, you need to look at David Polite's The Missing 411, and you need to go back. Is that a the, book or an article? Uh, he, he, he's written several books. There's two movies out. Okay. The Missing 411, what are you just talking about? Was that a, was, is that a book, an uh, article? It's, uh, he's written several books, and there's two movies. The first one is just called Missing 411. Okay. And oh, the second, okay, okay, and, okay, and okay. the second one is called "Missing 411: The Hunted." It's about hunters that disappear in the woods. Okay. And you were uh, you were you were saying something else before I interrupted you. I'm sorry. About um. That as well. So, no, nah, you're good, man. No worries. So, if you go back, also another big eye opener is you go back to the early 17, 18, 1900s. And you look at the Native American tales about the Sasquatch and quick Google search away. And if, if you know someone that's native, if you can go to a reservation, especially on the West Coast out here, like Alaska, Oregon, Northern California, and talk to some people, they've had these stories of the hairy man passed down for generation to generation to generation. They, they would warn their children, don't go out in the woods tonight or the hairy man will snatch you away. Hmm. Some creepy stuff, man. Here today, um, another. Uh, I think you've convinced me more than the actual air quote specialist expert has. Just because, and I don't mean that in any offense or anything to anyone. It's just when you oh, have no, someone I... like you that you, you know what I mean. When, when you have someone like you, you can look at both sides instead of taking everything in. And be like, yes, I believe everything about Bigfoot. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> yeah. So, you, man, before we get off here, no, go ahead. I'm sorry. You, you get the guys to watch Animal Planet two times, and they buy right into that Finding Bigfoot show, which is clearly sensationalized for TV. The BFRO, like, if you go on their website, is a database. They're good. They have so many sightings marked down, but when it comes to like 
you want to go out and go on an expedition with them, right? You want to, you're a non-believer. And you're like, prove me wrong. They want you to pay $2,000. They want you to pay good money. If you want to do that with me, you want to do, you, you want to come and see something with me. I ain't charging you a dime. Come up here. Let me know. Give me a couple months advance so I can take leave from my job. And I will happily take you out here in the middle of nowhere, Alaska in these woods. I'll make a believer out of you. <laughs> yeah, man. So next time I'm somewhat near Alaska, I will uh, let you know. And, uh, we will definitely make that thing happen because I want to believe it, but, but I believe that you're the person that's not going to go. And, you know, we're going to stage all these events the day before. And we're going to have all these traps go off at this specific time, 1115. Okay. You're going to have that, that, that rope's going to attach and that tree branch is going to slam against this trunk. Yeah. It's going to make, yeah, that ain't me. You know? we, I know you wouldn't do like, <laughs> we find nothing at all. There ain't no in between. Man, before we jump off here, let, Everybody know where you can find your stuff and, and your socials and all that. Uh, uh, well, yeah, I appreciate you having me on, dude. My name's Keith Diggins. Uh, I'm the founder of Bigfoot Hunter Society. I got the Facebook page and the group. If uh, I, I try my best to at least do two expeditions a year. Like I said, I'm up here in Alaska right now. So if you're in the Fairbanks area, Anchorage area, you want to go out and check out Denali, you want to go travel with me, hit me up. We'll do it. I'm usually I usually make it back down to Ohio about twice a year, once in the summer, once in the winter. We'll go down to the Salt Fork National Park where they do the Bigfoot conference every year, and we'll do our mm. own expeditions down there because, like I said, I try to take the sensationalism away and show you the actual facts of what's going on. Well, what's a Bigfoot conference? You just opened up another door that I'm curious about. Bigfoot conference is. Is that where everybody just gets together, kind of like an AA meeting, and talks about Bigfoot, or is it where everybody goes, you know, 150 people go hunt for him? No, you, you about nailed it. So every year down there at Salt Fork National Park, so in Ohio, they call it the Ohio Grassman. Ohio actually has, out of all the states, the fourth most sightings of Bigfoot every year. Mm. So in South Central Ohio, they have the Bigfoot Conference. And you've got the BFRO, you got the Matt Moneymakers there. You've got your Dr. Jeff Meldrum's there. Your David Blighty's, he's been there. Anybody in between, they go down to Salt Fork National Park because it's a sighting hotspot. Well, man, Keith, I appreciate you being on here, man. And uh, next time I want to talk Bigfoot and more paranormal, uh, I'll let you know we'll get you back on. Really do appreciate that, it, man. That sounds great, man. I Sounds great. I can go down this rabbit hole for days at a time. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Appreciate it. You have a good one. Hey, you too, brother. I appreciate you for having me on, man. And we'll talk to you next time. Yeah, man. Appreciate your service. Have a good one. And thank you. You too. Take it easy. Be safe down there, man. You too, man.